Hi everyone, let's pray. Father God, we want to thank you that you are our lighthouse. We want to thank you that your word gives us wisdom beyond our years for the kinds of times that we live in. I pray for your help as I speak this morning. I pray for all of us, wherever we're from, around the world as we listen, that we would be drawn closer to you and that we'd be equipped for the times that we're living in. And everyone said, Amen. Hi everyone and welcome to One Tribe Online. It is absolutely great to have you here with us. Last week we had people tuning in from Nairobi and from Arusha and Dar es Salaam in Tanzania, Burundi, also uh, in East Africa and friends from Dublin and the US and from uh, the uh, uh, from uh, Berlin as well. And uh, it feels kind of like a global party. Uh, which is a phenomenon of the times that we are living in. And uh, wherever you're at geographically or spiritually, we want you to feel welcome to be with us on Sunday mornings as together we journey through the book of Daniel. We're living in massively significant times where it feels like everything is changing. We're living at times where you can sense that things are never going to be quite the same again. Not just that, but national leaders on African cont continents, uh, Europe, the Americas, are having to make decisions that are shaping nations, shaping culture, shaping the way that you and I live our day-to-day -day lives. And Daniel is an excellent guide for us for times such as this. Daniel lived at times when the people of God couldn't gather as they usually had. In fact, we'll see in a few weeks' time that there was a time when Daniel himself was banned from praying. On top of that, Daniel lived at times when national leaders were making decisions that were shaping nations, shaping culture, and shaping the lives of individuals like you and me. Daniel lived in times of massive change. He lived at a time when it was clear things would never be the same again. And so what I'm going to do is we're just going to dive straight into the book of Daniel, chapter 1, verse 1. Today we're going to go through chapter 1. After that, we're going to answer some questions online. Please do comment even while I'm speaking now and um, afterwards during the discussion. Let's be ready to engage on our laptops, in our living rooms, on our, on our uh, cell phones, wherever we are. And... Uh, uh, if you want to know more about the background of the book of Daniel, please could you uh, just Google the Bible Project Daniel video. That's an excellent introduction. And uh, if you're on our social media channels, we may have already gotten that to you during the last few days. But that is an excellent introduction to the book of Daniel, which starts in chapter 1 and verse 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. That's one of the things I love about this book, the Bible. In the third year of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Bible scholars agree that that would be 605 BC. That's a real date in history. The Bible, friends, is a book that deals with real dates, real times, real people, and real challenges like the challenges that you and I are facing right now in these unique times. And uh, in a while we'll be hearing about Daniel. People reckon that in 605 BC, Daniel would have been a teenager. And we're going to have the privilege over the coming weeks as we go through the book of Daniel chapter by chapter to be with Daniel from his teenage years 
right through to the time he's about 80 or 90, which is when people think he'd have written this book of Daniel. We're living in times of global change, and the Bible anticipates this and is ready for it. Verse 2, And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Judah and Israel, they're usually the good guys in Bible stories. Well, sometimes anyway. The Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. I wonder whether you would skim over that like I might if I was just reading my Bible. But that's actually a key verse in the whole book of Daniel. Because in this verse, it gives us a tip for reading all the rest of the book of Daniel. The author says, the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. Now, if you're a person in Judah like Daniel was, one day you're at home, you've got Jehoiakim as your king, and then all of a sudden an enemy army comes, takes out your king, and starts to deport people. And you can think, man, the world is falling apart. What is going on? And the Bible tells us that it's the Lord who delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into Babylon's hand. The great tip from this verse is that as we read through the book of Daniel, we need to have eyes to look for and to see what God is doing. In these days, we're waiting for updates from our health ministers, from our national leaders, and I think that that's appropriate as long as we're also able to look beyond that and to be asking ourselves, like Daniel did, what is God doing in the midst of all that is happening? It carries on. The Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These Jehoiakim carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put the articles from the temple of God, he put them in the treasure house of his God. Israel's God, Babylon's God, Babylon's God takes articles from the temple of Israel's God back to their own country. In other words, our God is better than your God is the message that Babylon was sending loud and clear. And because of that, because of the, because of the uh, desecration and decimation of the temple worship, the way that Israel was going to worship was going to have to change for years and years to come. Verse 3, then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring in some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. I love this description. Young men, without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. Man, universities around the world would be falling over themselves to give scholarships to these kinds of guys. Ashpenaz was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. 
Among them were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names, to Daniel the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah the name Shadrach, to Mishael the name Meshach, and to Azariah the name Abednego. I want us to pause there for a moment because um, something very special is going on here. Daniel and his friends had names that reminded them of the faith of Israel. These weren't just names like off the popular most ten on Google. These were names that carried deep meaning. Check this out and I want you to see, as you listen, wherever you are, I want you to see whether these names are relevant in the times that we're living in. Daniel means God is judge. In these times of fires in Australia and locusts in East Africa and coronavirus everywhere, there is a lot of talk of judgment. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of um, name calling on social media. There's a lot of unfair treatment, to be honest. It's broken my heart over recent days seeing how Asians have been treated on African soil in very, very unpleasant ways. And as we go through this earth, as we might see people doing things we disagree with, or as people might say things about us or call us things, and one thing, truth, one truth we can hold on to, one thing we can hold on to, is that God ultimately is the judge. Hananiah means Yahweh is gracious. And some people say, oh man, is, is, this, God, is this God punishing this people or that, that people or, or us? Well, it's a complex question in some ways. But one thing we can always come back to is the God of heaven, the God of the Bible, in all his dealings with us, is kind and gracious. Mishael means who is what God is. There's no one like the God of the Bible. And lastly, Azariah means Yahweh has helped. As we go through these times, we go through these times with help available to us. Bigger than first world economies, more caring than our closest relatives, is a God who loves to help people like you and me who call on him. What can we learn from this? Parents, there's something I want us to learn because we're living at times when we're having to spend more time than usual with our kids at home, schools closing and so on. One thing we can learn from this is that we need to invest in our children and model something for them in these times. At times like this, we can model for them a personal devotion, a habit of encountering God daily, either individually and as families. And to help you with that, we'd love to get some family devotionals into your hands that you can go through Monday to Friday that are linked in to the book of Daniel, put together by our friends from uh, Common Ground Church and the Advanced Family of Churches. And the second thing we can model, apart from a personal devotion to God, is a devotion to God's people. And I want to encourage us to not give up the habit of meeting together, whether it's online this opportunity that we have. 
Let's make the most of it. As churches, we learn the importance of prioritizing, investing in young people, Daniel's age and younger. Some people have said after our first online service last week, oh, we loved it, but it was a bit too short. And one of the reasons we keep it short is because we know a lot of you are watching this with your children, being discipled together from the word of God. And that's why we want to keep our messages as short as possible. And as a church, certainly in one tribe, I know many of the Believers uh, listening online will go to churches that are passionate about reaching the universities of the cities and towns that we're in. Because as we reach this next generation, we are impacting generations to come. Let's keep on moving. Verse 8, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Now, God had caused the official to show favor and sympathy to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of my Lord, the king, who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. I love this response. Daniel then said to the God, whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. I love the way that you see Daniel combining decisiveness with just good manners and wisdom and tact and gentleness. He could make a stand for God on the one hand, but when there's pushback, he didn't go berserk, he didn't go name-calling on social media. We can learn a lot from Daniel in this age. So the God agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. I want us to zero in on this. Daniel made his own decision. Babylon was saying, do this. Maybe all the young people around him were saying, let's do what Babylon says. But the Bible says, verse 8, probably the key verse today for today, says Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. It's beyond the scope of this short talk to go into the details of what defiling himself could have meant. But the key thing here is that Daniel is saying something about the about the book of Daniel and his life story, he was saying, I'm going, to make, I'm going to choose what decisions I make. They're going to be my decisions, and they're going to be decisions that honor God. There's a story I love. It's a story about um, an ex-president of the United States of America. His name is Ronald Reagan. And uh, the story goes that uh, one day his aunt took him to a cobbler. That's someone who makes shoes. And uh, the cobbler said to little Ronnie, I'd love to make you some shoes, Ronald. Uh, tell me, do you want shoes with a, a pointy tip or do you want shoes with a square tip? 
And poor little Ronnie, he's so young, he doesn't know what to say, he doesn't know how to decide. And so the cobbler says to him, hey, no problem, I'll give you a few days to decide, that's fine. And um, one day, a couple of days later, they are walking through town and the cobbler sees Ronnie. He says, Ronnie, have you made a decision yet? And little Ronnie says, no, I haven't made a decision yet. And the cobbler says, no worry, there's time, take your time and you know, make, 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 make a, the decision when you're ready. And a couple of days later, they're now in the store, in another store, and uh, the cobbler again sees little Ronald and says, Ronald, uh, have you made a decision yet? And little, little Ronnie says, no, I haven't decided yet. And uh, the cobbler says, no problem. Uh, uh, I know what to do. Uh, why don't you come around tomorrow and your shoes will be ready? And the next day, little Ronnie, he goes to the cobbler's shop to pick up his pair of brand new shoes. And when he picks up this pair of brand new shoes, what he finds is that the cobbler hands him the shoes. And in this pair of shoes, one of the shoes is pointed and the other one is square-tipped. And the cobbler said this to Ronald, this is to teach you that if you don't make your own decisions, lots of other people will be happy to make them for you. The message translation of Romans 12 verse 2 says this, don't become, I want, I want us to hear this, young and old, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Sometimes we can say, well, that's just the thoughtlessness of youth. Daniel wasn't ready to take that excuse for decisions he made in his youth. It reminds me of someone else who made a magnificent decision, and his name is Jesus. When temptation came his way, he made a decision to honor his heavenly father. Not just that, when it came time to go to Jerusalem, the Bible says he set his face like flint. And on the last night before the crucifixion, before dying for your sins and my sins, the Bible says that he prayed to his heavenly father, Father, not my will, but yours be done. He made a big decision for you and I, so that today, you and I could make some big decisions for him. At the end of the 10 days, the Bible says they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the God took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning, and Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them in, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better 
than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. And Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. He saw kingdoms come and kingdoms go. One last thing I want to hit before we wrap this up and get to you into uh, answering some questions is I love this bit where it talks about um, the, the, the king found them 10 times wiser than all the rest of the enchanters in the kingdom. And my brain gets going that, wow, that means if they did the test, they got 99% for the test. That means the other guys got like 9% for the test. I'm not sure that that's quite what it means. And it reminds me of a story I was told by my high school teacher at a school in the bush in Zimbabwe. His name was Mr. Chawuke, and what he said, he, he did a complex sum on the board, but, but the, the key to it was quite simple. And uh, he said to him, you know, you actually get a whole lot of marks for answering this question. He said, a whole lot of marks for doing that? And he said, yeah, it's kind of like knowing where to strike. We said, what? And he said, it's knowing where to strike. Oh, haven't you heard the story? There was a company that had, there was a, company that had a, a, a big machine that had broken down and production had had to stop. And so they called in a guy and uh, he looked over the machine. All their experts couldn't fix it, but he looked over the machine. He looked over the machine and then he got a hammer, hit the machine with the hammer once and everything started working again. He went home, he sent them the invoice. When they got the invoice, they were blown away. It was an invoice for one million shillings. So they called him back and they, they, they said to him, are you, kidding? are you kidding? One million shillings for hitting our machine with a hammer? And he said, oh, I'll send you a detailed invoice. And he sent a more detailed invoice. And the detailed invoice said, well, for hitting the machine with a hammer, that's, that's 10 shillings. But it's 999,990 shillings for knowing where to strike. I don't know what the grades were that the uh, four Hebrew boys got in Babylon. But I think even more important than that is that because of their knowledge of God, God who's our judge, God is our gracious, God who there's no one like him, God who helps, because of their knowledge of him from the scriptures, they weren't just able to answer the how questions and the what questions, but they were able to answer the bigger questions if you like, the why questions of the world that we live in. And because of that, they had a wisdom beyond this world. What we're going to do now is we're going to get into uh, our time of question and answer. And I've got four questions for you. Question number one is, how do you feel about studying the book of Daniel? Let us know. Put it on the comments below. The second question is this. What do we learn about God from Daniel chapter one, which we've studied today? The third thing we learn or the third thing I want us to talk about is what do we learn about people? And the fourth thing, you may remember this from last week, is what do you and I need to do?